Okay. Well, good morning. Trish, you ready to receive? Well, Veronica and Davis, I trust you're ready to receive. Or are you just ready to hear? Both. Smart answer, John. Smart answer. It's the right one. You know, there's... If you turn the TV on today, especially the news, there's a million opinions, speculations, rumours, lies. You can hear on any given news channel. Would you agree? This week we've had the debacle of the... Was it this? Yeah, well, the fallout of the Turkish, Saudi Arabian, American mess over this journalist. Then we have the ongoing continuance of Brexit. And then there's other world news, and everyone's got an opinion on everything. And uh, poor guy lost his life because he had some strong views. But those who killed him had some stronger views than him. And they took his life, unfortunately. Standing up for a cause will always bring conflict at some point. And I don't think the Christian church understands this in the Western world, where our politics and our laws and judicial system protects us in the main. But slowly but surely, you will find as the days go by, Christians will have less and less protection. And Christians will have to walk under an open heaven more and more. Hello, church. Are you listening? This is happening as we speak. Freedom of speech does not apply to you. The moment you say something somebody doesn't like, then your freedom is taken away and somebody else's freedom is elevated above your freedom. And there's always a law to undo what your there's always a law to undo your rights. And this is how the, this is how when we read the Bible, the Bible says truth has fallen in the streets. It stumbled in the streets. Don't just look at the fact, look at how. There's a process to everything rising and there's a process to everything falling and declining. And if you don't understand the process and see it, you'll never be able to avoid it or avert it. Same thing, I suppose. You'll never be able to get out the way of it. And we have to live as, you know, as, as wise people in these days. That's only if you've got something to say. So that disregards a good percentage of Christians. Seriously, and I'm not being flippant when I say that. Because most Christians are happy just to come to church and listen. But there is a, there is a, a, a section of believers around the world who will feel in their hearts it's time to rise and say something and do something. And those people doing that have to find their moment, have to find wisdom of God, have to find the entrance point in where to say and where it's acceptable. But make no bones about it. The church is going to be exposed more and more in these days. I refuse to allow us, and I, I speak, when I say us, I, I shall speak on behalf of Phil and Paul, and, and, and our wives, we refuse to let this church be so comfortable that you fall asleep in it. We'll throw you out the nest. 
Why? Because that's what the mother chicklet does. Oh, mother bird does, I should say, to its chicklets. Throws it out. It seems cruel, does it? But how many of you know they've got to learn to fly? So you have to learn to fly. Now, some of us have been, uh, been in this church long enough, I don't want to fly. Well, you've got no option. Why? Because we're not building church according to your pattern, your image, your wants, your desires. We have to build according to God's word. Amen? And that involves us all. So we're going to have a sun rooftop church where the sun can shine in and we can open it and others can get in. But more, more often than not, only I'm not so concerned about people getting in. I'm more concerned about us getting out. Because we've become so comfortable in this place that we, this has almost become sanctuary. This church is not sanctuary. Christ is our rock. Christ is our sanctuary, not this place. Don't ever put your hope in me. Don't ever, well, I know Phil, don't ever put your hope in Phil. Don't ever put, and he would say the same. Don't ever put your hope in us. Why? Because I'm not God. He don't walk on water. I don't walk on water. But I know someone who can and who does. Saying all that, there's a thought that says God is saying an awful lot to his church at this time. You go on Christian TV, maybe not, don't go on Christian TV, but... If you go on Christian TV, everyone's sat there saying, I believe God's saying this, God's saying that, God's saying this, God's saying that, God's saying this. Well, not that I'm trying to say I'm right and everyone's wrong. But I'll say this. I do not believe God's saying half as much as people say that God is saying. Why do I say that? At any given time, at any given day, God is speaking billions of words to billions of individual believers, right? So God can speak to you and he's speaking to us in our individual personal lives. How many would agree with that? So go in that context, God is always speaking. Yes? Because we serve a God who's involved in our lives. Right, that's one level. But when God speaks to his church, God isn't saying half as much to the church as he is to you as an individual believer. Yes? Why? Because God speaks and keeps on primary emphasis. God does not change his mind. God knows what he wants from his church and he keeps saying that. And that's why he says, he who has an ear. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Why? Because there is a primary emphasis that God wants to keep for his church so that his church do not stay off track or go off track. So there are certain things God will always keep saying to remind the leaders, this is it. This is it. Keep building this way. Keep doing this. Keep doing that. But to you as an individual, God can say many things. Do you understand that? That's so important. And this is where people get mixed up because God's saying a lot of things to individuals. They think that God's saying a lot of things to his church, but he's not. He is saying things to the church but not half as much as what some people say he is. Because this is what brings confusion. Well, I believe God's saying this. Well, I believe God's saying that. And I believe God's saying that. And you can't tell somebody they're wrong. Because who am I to say they're right or wrong? 
But after a while, you, could, you think, well, hang on. I'm more confused now than I was five minutes ago. So you have to know in your own heart as a leader what God is saying. And when you listen to other men around the nations of the world, you can see that God is speaking the same, similar things. Now, here's the thing. If you want to know what God's doing, if we really want to know what God is saying and emphasizing, you do not get that understanding by looking at our church. Because what God's doing amongst you as a people and what God's doing with us as a church can be very different. You look at what God's doing through what he's doing in the nations and then you build according to what he's doing in the nations. Because we have a context in Drawsden. We have a culture in Drawsden. And God's dealing with us as individuals and collective. But the leaders have to see what God is doing and bring the people to that position. Does that make sense? And if we get so self-consumed with what's going on in our little environment, we will never, ever be able to join what, we, what God's doing here with what God's doing beyond us. Yeah. We'll become so self-consumed that we'll miss what God's doing. Yeah. It's true. So we have to be very careful. God is always, always looking to mature people. He's never stopped doing that. And he never will stop doing that. So in the midst of all the church's action, if the people are still not being matured, we've moved away from primary emphasis. Maturity is fundamental to Christianity. Understanding is fundamental to your development. If you don't understand God's ways, how can you ever walk in them? True? That's why we need roadmaps. That's why we need patterns, that's why we need principles, that's why we need protocols. Why? Because the people of God need to be shown a way how to walk, how to work, how to witness, how to worship, how to give, how to serve. All these require a roadmap for you and I, or we're just left blindly thinking that we're faithful. Because we come to church. You're not faithful because you come to church. You're faithful because you take on a work. Hello? It's amazing how many believers say, well, he was a faithful brother. He attended that church for 30 years. Yes, but he never did anything in 30 years other than attend. He never served the church. He never cleaned the church. He never went outside and witnessed, but he was faithful on a Sunday. I'm sorry. That when, that when when that person goes through the fire, Sunday's not going to come out. Sunday's not going to produce gold. Sunday's not going to produce silver. You're expected to come to church. You don't get rewarded for coming to church. You get rewarded for being part of the church. But not for coming. You get rewarded when you go to work, don't you? It's called your wages. You get rewarded when you come to church because you get blessed. But what part did you do? Other than sit there and listen. So we've got to get a, f- a full understanding of what God is requiring from us as people. So in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12, I know you're itching for the, for the Bible rather than just my thoughts. This is what he said. To, God was speaking to Jeremiah. And this is the conclusion of what God said to Jeremiah. He said this. The Lord said to me, you've seen correctly. So he's, he's asking him, what do you see? 
And you know, it's, very, it's a very important question to ask us, what do we see? Because perspective is everything. If you're so internalising everything, all you'll ever see is you. And how you feel about what's going on around you or within you. But that's not what God asks you. God never asks you the question because he doesn't know the answer. God asks you the question because he wants to see if you, by listening to the question, you see correctly. When, someone, when a teacher gives you homework, do you know that the teacher knows the answers? But they give you the homework to see if what they've taught you has actually gone through to you. Putting it bluntly, did the penny click? Did the light come on? Did you understand what the teacher was saying? And when you say, the dog ate it, the dog ate my homework, you know the smart answer is, bring the dog. <laughs> bring the dog to school. And I'm going to look inside the dog to see if your homework's in the dog. He said, you've seen correctly. You can imagine Jeremiah going, whew, that was a close one. But then he says this, Chris, I'm watching to see. God's watching to see. To see what? To see whether the word inside Chris can be fulfilled. So God is looking at you and me and us collectively to see if his word can be fulfilled. We're very, very quick to point out to God, you promised. You said. We're very quick to hold God to his word. But the trouble is, that's your interpretation of what you think he said. God knows exactly what he said. And God says, I'm looking to see if my word in the dream center will be fulfilled. Now, you and I have listened to an awful lot of word in this church. Is it Gwen is probably the oldest? Or is it Sonia? You two are probably the oldest members. You've been here how many years? 57 years. Do you realise you came here the year I was born? I don't want to make you feel old. 57 years. And there's only three letters. You can sum up that. Wow. So for 57 years... Veronica has, uh, uh, Sonia, sorry, has been listening to countless pastors, preachers, prophets, patriarchs. So you've had an awful lot of word. And God is saying to Sonia, like he's saying to all of us, I'm still watching to see my word is fulfilled in you. God is gracious enough to let her have 57 years of listening to his word. Now only she can determine whether she's done anything with that work. That word, I should say. But there is a word, when God speaks, he speaks to you, me, and us. There's only three types of people in this room. You, me, and us. How many of you agree? So when God speaks, how many of you know he wants to speak? He's looking to see if our word can be, I should say, when God speaks, he's looking to see if his word can be fulfilled in you, me, and us. He's also looking to see if, you, if his word can be fulfilled in your family. In other words, how did you take the word 
And how did you use it in your family? Do you see God in your family? And how are you taking God to your family? He's looking to see how we, as a nation, respond to his word prophetically. What do you mean? God speaks to the nation. Yes, through the church. Everything must come through the church. Ephesians 3, 9 tells us, Now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God must be made known to the principalities, the rulers, authorities. So where did it start? From heaven, in the church, through the church, out the church, back up to the heavens. You could say, well, God, you're closer to us. Why don't you just say something? He said, no, I do it through the church. All my movements are through the church. That's the, head, that's the headquarters on, on the earth. That's the embassy. That's the embassy on the earth. Everything must come through the church. Now, that's a good question. So who is the church? Look at the person at the side of you and say, I am the church. You're the ecclesia. So when he says that now through the church, he doesn't mean through the dream center, albeit he will use the dream center. He means anyone who has an ear can hear what this word is saying to the nation. So then you can begin to pray it. And that's how you speak to your nation, through prayer. Yes? And then... God's watching to see if our society will take over this word. Take a hold of this word. How? Again, through the church. Will she work with the word that's been given to her? Will she step out into the community and begin to work like a like yeast in the bread? Will she keep working it through and working it through until Christ arises? Can we see Christ and his word turn around our economy? Absolutely. Words are seeds. And when you grab all of these seeds and you sow them and water them, it's amazing they grow. How many know that God, when God speaks and watches to see if his word is fulfilled, his one, that's best reflected in your destiny. If you're not moving any closer to your destiny, you know why that is? I'm glad you asked. You're not moving any closer to your destiny because it's disobedience or you haven't taken the word. And sown it. Do you know I know that? Because I'm living proof. I am where I am today because the word spoke to me ahead of time. I watered the word. I kept on walking, kept on working, kept on serving. And it's amazing. I said to Phil, it's amazing the more I pray, the more coincidence happen. The more I pray, the more coincidence happens. So the more God gives me his word... And the more I pray and keep walking in that way, it's amazing how I tend to get closer to where that word was always leading. Hello? But the trouble is, many of us do not know what we're born for or what we're called to. Other than our jobs and our wives and children, we really don't know beyond that, and which is quite sad. So God says, if I'm watching to see if my word will be fulfilled... And you've been a Christian for 20 years and you're still no closer. Something's wrong. The fact that you're prepared to carry on in that state and not ask a different question is a concern. When God, when most Christians are happy to sit, then destiny will never take over that person's life. 
But if people really want to know the will of God for their lives, then be, then be prepared to change. Hello? So when God speaks a prophetic word, he speaks in order. When I say now, when God speaks to a church, when God speaks to a church, he speaks in order to ensure generational continuity continues. It's not about you. Sorry. It involves you, but it's not about you. Now, just meditate on that for a minute. It involves you, but it's not about you. Because if it involves you, therefore, then you have work to do and you're justified being here. But if it's only about you, it can only ever be about you. So when God speaks, he speaks ahead of time. He speaks on time. He speaks for a time yet to come. And he speaks knowing that if the people on the ground take a hold of this word, there is a future in that place. Yeah. Now, if I, could, if I could sell a bag of future to you, John, what's it worth? What do you think the first question would be? Wrong question. Wrong question. Oh, wrong answer. Not can I afford it. What's the future? Is it worth paying the price for? Because once God shows you your future, then you get a glimpse of the price it's worth paying for. If I've got to negotiate before I even know my future... I'll say, well, it's not worth paying the price for. The reason why Christ took hold of you, John, he took hold of you. Watch, walk with me. Walk with me. Come with me. Rise, rise. Stand up. Step in. Follow me. The reason why Christ took hold of him, Christ took hold of him so that he could have a destiny and a purpose on this earth. So Christ came to him and took hold of him and he made him a slave to righteousness. So that, follow me, put down your nets, follow me. Now the big question, I know I would have said, where are we going? That would have been my first question, where are we going? But he didn't tell him, he said, follow me. There was something in that, that word, follow me, put down, follow me, that went... I don't know what this is going to cost, but it's, I think it's worth it. I'm just going to follow in faith. Okay, sit down, John. But when it came to Paul, he said to Paul, I'm going to show you how much you're going to suffer. Paul's first prophecy was how much he was going to suffer. Paul saw how much he was going to suffer and rose to his feet and moved towards it. That's the difference between an apostle and a believer. God knows who he's speaking to when he asked the question. So, in Isaiah 30, 38 verses 1, I brought this word to you a couple of weeks ago. And it's so important that I'm going to read it to you again. In those days, Hezekiah became ill. And he was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said... So now God 
is about to speak from the heavens to the earth. Amen? And God is about to watch to see whether his word is fulfilled in the life of the king. And the king is ill, just like maybe many believers could be ill. The king has got things going on in his life that's not good, but yet the word still comes to him. Are you ready? This is what the Lord says, and the word, first word is, he knows he's ill. So what do you want to hear? You want to hear, heal me. Well, God, if you're a compassionate God, you see my circumstance, heal me. And God says, what I've got to say to you, son, is far more important than you being healed. Well, how can that be? You're the saviour of the world. You gave your life for me so that I could be healings in the Holy Atonement. He goes, whoa, 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 I know the contract. I wrote it. What I've got to say to you is more important than what I can give to you. Now, church, you've got to learn to live in that dimension. What God says to you is far more important than what God can do for you or gives to you or doesn't give to you. His word is the highest level. When you get his word, you've got him. So many people get healing but don't get him. Now, this is one of the problems we have in modern immaturity in the church. People want to receive blessing, but they don't want him and his word. And all God's got is concealed in his word. So when God speaks, it's from the word that everything's revealed. It's from the word that healing comes. You cannot bypass the word. Why? Because the word is a person. So he comes to, to um, Ezekiah and he says, put your house in order. The word was more important to, I, to Ezekiah than the healing. But in Ezekiah's mind, the healing's more important than the word. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? I really want us to move and encourage you to move to the word. Not in the benefits one of the greatest concerns I have of the 21st century church is we've become a benefit-driven people rather than a purposeful church. I keep saying one day I'll write a book on that. Our nation's politics works on benefits, benefits, benefits. If you vote for me, I'll give. So people are now being raised on a Benefit-driven mentality. And now they think they've got rights. And they have got rights. You've got the right to work. People don't like that, but it's true. So remember, O Lord, that Ezekiah... Let me back up a minute. This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. That's a great prophecy, that. That's a great prophecy to have. So, Pastor, will you pray for me? Yeah, you're going to die. Whoa, nobody wants that kind of prayer. But this is what the prophet this is what the prophet said. You've got to be bold and courageous to prophesy that. You're prophesying to a king. Wow. Hezekiah turned to his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. I bet he did. If I said tonight, Chris, you're gonna die, and the word of the Lord, I bet this afternoon you'll spend on your knees in prayer. 
Remember me, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done. So it's like, okay, don't you, don't you know I know that? Don't you mean, sorry, let's, revelation, me God, I know how you have walked. I know how you have served and I know that you have an understanding of what your faithfulness, but I'm say, still saying, you're going to die. So it just shows us at times that this merciful, loving God can cut through all emotional feelings and get to the heart of the issue. Because now, do you know what's going on inside of the king? Entitlement. He now thinks in terms of entitlement. Because I've done, because I've walked, because I remembered, because I've done, surely there's got to be a favour for me. God says, don't ever try to manipulate or put my hand up my back. I know who you are. The problem is, fella, you're not quite sure who I am. Put your house in order. So remember me, O Lord, I've walked before you faithfully. Remember me, Lord, I came to church. Remember me, Lord, I was part of the worship team. Remember me, Lord, I served in the cafe. These are the things that we think brings us justification before the Father. But these don't. You've got to know the mind of God. God does not work by the manipulation of the human soul. God works by the spirit and truth. And God will speak and cut through. And that's why the word divides joint and marrow. It goes past the emotions and it gets to the heart of the issue. Because at the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. So remember, Lord, how I've walked before you and faithfully and I've wonderfully, I've had devotion. Oh, Lord, you've seen how I worship. You've seen how I stand up there with a the guitar. You've seen how I can eulogize and, you know, give lullabies and yodel. God says, not interested. You're going to die. Put your house in order. Well, if I'm going to die, how can I put my house in order? Ah, different question. So he says, and I've done what's in your good eyes, and, 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 uh, and Ezekiah wept bitterly. I bet he wept bitterly. Then the word came to him again. So we've had a pause. The king's had his lament. God's heard him. God knew what was going to be prayed. God wasn't, God wasn't changed by his emotion. Because God sees in the future, God knows what he was going to pray. So he kind of gives Ezekiah, it's almost like God says to him, Ezekiah, I can see you're in pieces here. I'm going to give you a minute. Get yourself together, son, because I'm going to come back and have another word with you. And that's what God does with you and me, by the way. When, when tantrums start kicking up, God says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a minute. Now, you know that minute can be five years. Because it can take five years before you get yourself together. And then God will come back and he'll continue where he left off. God won't come back with a new word. Why? Because he's a God of emphasis. God is the only God I know that can put your conversation on pause Still keep on talking to billions of people and come back and they know exactly where they left off. You and I can't remember 
what was said two minutes ago, but he can. And he's got that thing. You know when you, know when you talk to God? It's like when you talk to the, when you ring up these companies and they say to you, we must let you know that this conversation will be recorded and used for training purposes. <laughs> and when prayer's like that, and when the voice of the Holy Spirit, and you start speaking and telling God all these things, God says, I'm just letting you know, this conversation is being recorded because it will be used for training purposes. And what does that mean, Lord? It means I'll hold you to account. Ah, God will forget. God never forgets. So you've got to be careful what you say before God in prayer. Because God will just hit the button and say, yep, yeah, I thought it was right. Well, I knew it was right. So let's go back onto it a little bit more. And then he says this. This is, what the Lord, uh, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. Well, that's good. Oh, I'm in favour now. I will add 15 years to your life. Now, do you think Hezekiah's crying gave him 15 years? No, it didn't. If I come to you and I say to you, put your house in order and you're going to die... Well, how can you put your house in order if you're going to die? So God already knew it would take a period of time to put your house in order. The word came first. He was not manipulated by the emotions. The word came first. Put your house in order. So when God says to you, put your house in order, you're safe for a period of time. Because it's going to take a period of time. Now he said is, it's going to take, God knew that it's going to take him 15 years but, he, I, but Hezekiah thought he was getting an extra 15 years. Think about it. It's like sometimes God gets you praying what he wants you to pray. And you actually think you're being smart. No, actually God wanted you to pray in that prayer. Because he's watching to see how his word will be revealed. So he says to Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the word comes first. You've got to see this. He did not get 15 years because he cried. He got 15 years because the word came to him first. So the question is, how many years is it going to take for you to get your house in order? Because you are going to die. Every one of us is going to die. Do you know that? Do you know also that you're going to live forever? But you're not going to live forever in this dimension. You're going to live, flesh and blood will pass away. But my word will Right, so we live by the highest priority is God's word. God's word in you is what's going to keep you and I in that future dimension. Your soul, listen, your soul and your emotions will lie to you. They will lie to you terribly. And you'll justify to God and your tears, God, 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 you know how much I love you. And God says, I know your heart, yeah, I know, I know. You say your heart's with me, but your feet are in another direction. So, let's go back to Ezzy. Then he says this, and I will, uh, this is what the Lord says to the God of your father, David, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears, and I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Syria. I will defend the city. This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. So, God's promised the king he will deliver him the city and he's going to got 15 years 
to put things in his house that's out of order. Now, interesting thing, he was ill. What we don't know is why he was ill. We don't know if some of those things that were wrong in his house caused the illness. But here's the thing. He wants to eulogize before God and tell him how faithful he's been, and yet his house is still out of order. So, we can all come to church. We can all look good. We can all be telling God our wonderful, wonderful praise But behind your house, I said behind you and in your house is dysfunction, immaturity, ignorance, and waywardness. Sunday church doesn't cut it, folks. So if God is going to add something to your life, here's the point, here's the point. If God is going to add 15 years to your life, he's going to add 15 years for a purpose. So it's incumbent upon you to know that purpose. Now we know that atonement, in the atonement, through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the victory on the cross, healing is available to everyone. Hello? And we know that healing does not come with conditions. God gave it. That's why God gives healing to even people who do not serve him. We see it in scripture. Healing is not conditional in that sense. It was, it's freely given to those who believe and would ask. But when God extends our life, something different. When God extends our life, it's something different. Most people just want to be healed because they don't want to die. I get it. Get that. Absolutely. But if you're going to be a child of the living God, you must understand how our Father works. Our Father is a God of purpose and a God of emphasis, not a God of emotion. Is everybody hearing me this morning? The king was ill. And he was at a point of death. So the question is, what is at the point of death in your life? What is at a point of death in your life? No, still on, it's all right. What needs to be added to your life? This is a key thing. Most people say, I just want blessing. What is blessing? Define it. What needs to be added to your life? That's where God needs to bless. That's where you need to st stand up and step in and meet God at that point. Hello? You need to meet God at a point. The word came to Hezekiah, and Hezekiah came to the word. Hezekiah responded to what was prayed and spoken over him. When was the last word, or what was the last word you responded to? And what was the last word you began to pray over intently? Come on, you must answer this question yourself. Because if, you have, if the answer is not, then all you've ever done is hear the word and never done anything with it. What was the last word that was spoken to you from God and you can honestly say, I stood up, I took attention and I've been praying about that word. 
I'd like to think this word is going gonna, is gonna to bring us to that point. He tuned his ears. I think telling somebody's going to die, I think that was as a way of getting someone's attention. So, how's your walk with the Lord? How is your walk with God? That's a good place to start. Are you scattered? Are you inconsistent? Are you passive? Are you consistent? Give or take a little bit of wobble here and there. Or are you up and down, up and down, up and down? If you're up and down, up and down, you're in trouble. It's a measure. Let me say this to you. If you're smart, you'll write this down. Because I'm going to come back to this time and time and time and time again. Here's a truth I've discovered. You can always tell the size of the man or the woman. When you write that down. You can always tell the size of the man or woman by the type of problem it takes to destabilize them. You can always tell the true stature, the size of the man or woman, by the size of the problem it takes to destabilize them. It's absolute truth. Some people only have to say one word to you. You're up and down, up and down, up and down. One little thing can destabilize many of us. There's a highlight of how where you are and what is wrong. Now I'm not saying we all become like Winston Churchill and have a bulldog spirit, but what I am saying is we should not be and we should not be easily destabilized. Hello? So what size problem does it take to destabilize you, John? Well, it depends what she says to me. Oh, so what you're saying is the wife. Oh, it depends what they do to me in work. So now you define the place, you define the people, which is not bad, because at any given time, those faces will change. But the issue is, what size problem does it take to destabilize you and throw you into a spin? Wow. You know, when Jesus was in the garden, you know that was a considerable amount of pressure that was on him. When he wept for the sins of the world, I cannot think of any more pressure than that because it takes a revelation of God to understand what was on him. I can't understand what was on him. I just know what he did and I have a little glimpse of what he did and why he did it, but only he knows the true way because only he understands sin. Yes? So it's very, very important that we understand these things and God's going to add 15 years and um, this is what he had to Hezekiah's. Don't take 15 years literally. We're talking about an extension on your life. I'm using 15 years because that's what it says in here. That was what was granted to Hezekiah. God may not be granting you another 15 years. God might grant you another 50 years. He might grant you another five years. None of us know the hour. Or the moment. But if I say to you 
you've got another five years, the question isn't, oh, thank you, wonderful. What am I supposed to do with those five years? Well, it's going to cost you a lot, but I still want them. Destiny is more important than my feelings to some people. Some people left this church and moved on, despite my feelings. So destiny is more important than feelings. I left the church to come here because of, I, because of what I felt was going on inside of me. So my destiny was more important than other people's feelings. When I resisted what was going on in here in the early days, my destiny was always calling and it seemed to be more important than how I was feeling. Does that make sense? So the Lord added 15. What type of word do you think your life needs right now? Look at where you are in life. Look at where you're going. Analyze your situation, your family. Some of you are coming into retirement. Some of you are out, uh, are uh, nowhere near retirement. Some of you are just going into careers. Others are, are excelling in careers. Others, also, we're all at different places. But if God was to speak to you, are you ready for this? You're not ready for this. If God was to speak to you right now and say, what would you like me to say? If you could hear me prophesy to you, Tony, what would you have me say to you? What are you going to respond to the Lord? You know, very often I've asked the Lord, send a prophet to my life. Because I need to hear what you're saying to me at this point in time. Because there are some words that I will hear from God. God will send to, from another person to me. And he'll do that with you. That's why we have prophets on the earth. That's why if God could speak everything to us, we wouldn't need other men. So what's the answer going to be? Well, do you know what the smart answer is? Do you know what the smart answer is? I'm asking you the question. You have just received it. You are receiving the word that you need. What is the most important book you've ever read? He knows the answer to this. What's the most important book you ever read? Don't know. You never read a book? <laughs> Do you know the most important book you ever read? Was the book you needed at the time you read it. It's not meant to be smart. It's true. I said the most important book. I didn't say the book you enjoyed. I didn't say the book that you brushed you off halfway through. The book you got bored with. I got too many of them. The most important book. I can take you up my stairs and show you the most important books that have spoken to me at the time I needed them. And should I ever go to an island or you put me on an island because you're fed up with me, I'll take these books with me. Why? Because they'll speak to me continuously. And one of them will be the Bible, obviously. And the word you need for God to say to you is the word that God's saying to you right now. Because that's the word you're alive to hear. Oh. He's being smart this morning, our pastor. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to keep you in the zone. I fully believe that my heart has been stirred by a noble theme. And I'm reciting my verses to you and to the king. 
These things are inside of me. They've captured my heart, and therefore I feel that if I don't speak these things out, I'll be like a man pent up on the inside. So, for the want of a better term, you're having it. (laughs) But I really want you to see from Ezekiah's life, God is speaking to us through this man's life. There's many Ezekiahs in here this morning. You're on, you're looking for something more, but you don't know quite what it is. There are some people who are not looking for more, but God's trying to nudge you to say, I'm still looking to see that my word is fulfilled in you. Don't drop it. Pick it back up again. Because it speaks of something better. You put it down because of circumstances. You put it down because you got fed up, because you got tired, you got weary, whatever it is. And God says, pick that word back up again. And stop interpreting the word from your feelings come to a higher level so how many of you know when God speaks he speaks first of all to either to you as an individual but when he speaks to us he speaks to a pastor or the leaders and he says this is what you feed the people with this is the food so I've been in the kitchen this week (laughs) I've been in the heavenly kitchen I've been taking food out off the shelf and I said, Lord, is this what you want in it? Now, a good preacher will say, what spices can I add to it? What flavours can I add to it? And God says, no, just give it him as I've given it you. And as you speak, I'll add. As you speak, I'll add to it. I don't want you trying to spice the crowd up. I don't want you entertaining the crowd. This is not a personality show. This is the word. Keep the word the central thing. And as you keep the word the central thing, God can add things to me as I'm saying. Because half the time, I'm saying things I've not planned to say. And I like that. I like that. And I like the fact that you can, you can take it like this. I think you can, can you? You keep coming back, so... You're back. So, what does the next 15 years look like? What finances are you going to need? For the next 15 years. What plans are you going to have to make? Next 15 years. I said to Veronica. How old are you now sweet? How old are you? 71. She's still young. She's still young. God promised you. He gave you his word and said about you being fresh. Well you tell me what did he say? Right. Green in your old age. So you're not old yet. So your old age is yet to still come. So she's got to ask herself, well, how do I get? From what God is saying, how do I get to that place? So like Hezekiah, God's saying, there may be something she might need to put in order. But she's getting this amount of time, figuratively speaking. But at least in her heart, she says, I'm moving towards it. So show me how to get there. 71 years of age, she wants to be rediscipled. Fantastic. I'm happy with, with our discipleship class, by the way. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm bragging that we've got the oldest disciples in the world. It doesn't matter about the oldest disciples in the world as long as they've got a young heart. Yeah? And as long as you've got a young heart, David, Mary, John, and all the rest, I'm going to be at off. This is like remembering the 12 disciples, this, isn't it? <laughs> It's getting hard remembering 12 names when you're getting my age. 
The point is, 13, yeah. One of them's a Judas, but don't tell them. <laughs> it was... <laughs> The point is, as long as there's a young heart, God can add. God can add. God can add. So what do you want adding to your life? Stand to your feet, please. No, we don't do magic formulas. We don't do magic. I've got a lot more to say, but I'm not going to say it. How many of you believe the king's amongst us? There's a lot more I could say. And you know that I've got a lot more I could say. But I think we need to come back to the altar again. 15 years is not a long time. You, you know, my granddaughter in two years, is it, Carol? She's at secondary school. And before you know it, she'll be out of that place. Secondary school is nothing. College. Soon, you know, within a very short space of time, she'll be out of there, she'll be grown up, she'll be going to university or college, whatever she, she, she does, and she'll be, wow, where's my baby girl gone? Where's my granddaughter gone? And all of a sudden, I've seen my own children grow up now, and now I'm seeing my grand... And I realise that the conveyor belt is moving. It starts off that you're a young man, and you see... Your, your, older, your elder sister in front of you, your mother and father, your grandmas, your great-granddad, and you go on and the, and, and the conveyor belt starts moving and unfortunately great-granddad and grandma fall off the end. They die, go to be the Lord. Then it's your mum and dad become the, the granddad. And you think, wow, it seems a long way before I'll become granddad. And then all of a sudden, you become the granddad. And the conveyor belt is getting closer and you realise, flipping heck, this conveyor belt's getting closer. I, I'm, I'm going to fall off in a minute. Anybody feel like that? Yes. So, right, we're all on the same page then, aren't we? And, and, and my, my grandkids are then thinking they've got all the time in the world. And I'm thinking, oh, slow this thing down. Either extend... Either extend, because you know what? The closer I get to the end, I don't have the, I don't have the energy to run the other way. How many of you, how many of you feel like that? It's true. And this conveyor belt, and I, well, I was over here at one time. Now I'm right near Edna. <laughs> You're not the end of the conveyor belt. I'm just using, <laughs> just using, using illustration. But I've realised now I'm, I'm, I'm granddad. I am granddad. Now, hopefully I'll get to be great granddad. And I'll be the patriarch of our house. But when you're the patriarch, you haven't got a lot of days behind you. So, God might need to extend the runway for me. How many need a runway extending? Yeah, but why? Let's keep coming back to why. Why do you need... What, because I don't like the idea of dying? Well, that might be, that might be one of your reasons, but God wants you on this earth because there's need for you to be on this earth, not because of the sentimental attachments we have. God is not sentimental. God is a God of purpose. God's love is not sentimental. So, I realise from here to there, there is a specific time frame. And I say, Lord, slow this thing down. 
And give me another five years. Why? Because I see another generation rising. This is me now. I see another generation under the size of a cloud or a man's hand. And I see it in the spirit and I say, Lord, we're not ready yet. We haven't got all the ducks in a line. So Lord, give me another 10 years to train that generation. So by the time I get finished, continuity is in the house. That's my, that's me and Carol. And I know that's Phil and Angie's, Paul and Emma's. So we see something rising and we go for it and we know that we're losing our energy because we're getting older. But if we stay in God, God will quicken our mortal bodies and give us the energy needed to get the work done. Because I'm not going to be stood here with a stick trying to train people or even chase people. I need energy and strength to do what I'm going to do. So I'm saying, Lord, give me another 20 years, 30 years. I'm not going until I'm 80 odd. Just to make Carol's life misery. <laughs> I'm not going until, until I'm 80 odd. And I'm not even going to, I'm not, not going to be involved in Christian ministry. I was called to this and I'll do it as long as I've got health and clarity. And the moment I don't have health and clarity, they'll put me to one side. And they'll give me drinks of water and posthumously make me a life president or something like that. <laughs> and they'll say he was the one that caused all the trouble. Now, so what do you need another 15 years for? Do you, do you need 15 years more of the same? What does the same look like to you? A moaning husband, a moaning wife, no wife, no husband. No purpose, no job, no job prospects, kids still away from me. What does more look like? I don't want that, and I don't want you to have that. And I know God has spoken to me to tell you that he doesn't want you to have that. So, Ezekiah, what do you want? It says, Ezekiah turned to the Lord and prayed. So I'm going to leave you now to stand in this room and pray and turn to the Lord and ask him to give you extension. Give you an extension on your children's life. Give you an extension on your financial life. Give you an extension. But tell the Lord why you need it. So go on. I encourage you. Speak to the Lord. You don't even have to pray in tongues because this is a time when you need to talk to the Lord. You don't need to sing to the Lord. You need to talk to the Lord. Be very clear about what you're asking for and why you're asking for an extension. Theresa May has been asking for an extension because she can't finish this negotiation. She knows exactly what she's asking for, despite her also knowing this pressure behind her. God has to supply to her life, just like he supplies to your life, what she needs and our nation needs. Or our nation could potentially die. So come on, let's ask the Lord. Father, Father, we turn to you. Put your house in order, O oh God. 
Put the spiritual house of God in order. Bring it to order, Lord. Bring it to order. Bring it to order. Oh, Father. My God, my God, my God. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Kurianda masite di babarianda. Father, I pray for your people, O oh God, that you would give them the clarity, the understanding, the insight and the wisdom to see what they should be praying for and how they should pray. Father, let clarity rest upon your people this day. Show your people how to pray in this circumstance. Give them the wisdom of how to pray and what they should be asking for. Father, give them the clarity of your heart and your mind and your spirit to know that the things that they're praying actually end up becoming the will of God for their own life. Not, you should be praying, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life, on earth, as it is in heaven. Father, give me this portion. Give me this bread. Give me this destiny. Give me this attitude and determination to stand, to serve you, to bring my house into order. But Father, I don't have the wisdom to deal with those things. Well, then ask the Lord to give you that wisdom. Show him, ask him to show you the books, the people that you might need to learn from in order to put your house in order. Ask the Holy Spirit to divinely, sovereignly line you up with what is needed. Here we are, O Lord. We have come to do your will. We are designed for signs and wonders. So Father, bring me into that dimension of what I was designed for. Oh, Father. Break it down. Break it down into the, into the, the aspect of deciding what you need to do today. Just take the first step. And as you take the first step, God will be keep on showing you what needs to be done. But you need to stay on it because the Lord has spoken. He's watching to see if his word will be fulfilled. Father. Whew. Lord Almighty. And the people of God said... Amen. <laughs> Church, I encourage you to stay with this word. Stay with this word. It's important to us. It's important to you. God just may arrest you and speak to you profoundly about the next coming years. And he'll give you more clarity than he's given you today. But seek him while he may be found. Amen. God bless you all.
very nice. This week. <laughs> I have a nice lemon to sample now.